0: Let's get into the scriptures. You're ready at 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 15. Paul writes to Timothy, "Be diligent, to present yourself approved to God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth" in the New King James Version. Virgin. <laughs> it's the Virgin version of the scriptures. Sorry. It's, who is not praying for me today? Cuz this is this is just going to keep getting worse, okay? I got wet. I've been getting people wet. I've been doing all kinds of things this morning. I, she, Kim, on mornings like this, Kim Bond and I work, you know, she's in the office. It remind me on mornings like this to have a second cup of coffee, okay? Just, just tell Diana. Just text her. Say, make sure he's had two. Thank you. I guess that's another question. How many of you are one cup of coffee versus how many of you are two cups per day? Peace sign for everyone that's a two-cup... Oh, wait, Susan, you had like four fingers up. (laughs) Caffeine is my friend, especially when I start going crazy. So let's get into this passage. The first part of the verse says, Be diligent to present yourself approved to God. Diligent can be also translated as make every effort. Make every effort to present yourself approved to God. What does it take for God to approve of us? Right? Yeah, the answer is Jesus. It's always, that he's always the answer. Go with it. But here's one of the things I want you to know. You cannot, as we've said before, you cannot earn God's love. You can't earn his mercy. Remember, mercy is a gift. Mercy is receiving something from God that you don't deserve or not receiving the judgment from God that you deserve. And God gives you Mercy. As James says, mercy triumphs over judgment with God, okay? God's the most merciful being you'll ever meet in your life. So why does Paul throw in here, if if love from God is free, if God loves all of us, and if His mercy, you can't earn it, God does have expectations on us, though. There are things that he wants to see us do. There's expectations for growth in faith. We've gone through that a little bit. You read the Gospels. Jesus is hanging out with the disciples. We just read when we were going through healing, basically when they can't cast out the, the, the spirit uh, from the boy. And he says, how much longer do I have to be with you, O faithless generation, right? And uh, he talks about how little faith they have. So there's expectations for faith. There is expectations from him for love. There are expectations that God has upon us to love others, to forgive. There are expectations from God that we will forgive people. Again, you go into the Lord's Prayer, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And as I to, uh, preach about that, I pray through that one too. I'm telling you, Karen, start praying. <laughs> but when you, when you pray that prayer, just the simple Lord's Prayer, I mean, thinking about the expectations that God has because when you pray, Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors, that as is, Father, I want you to forgive me the way I forgive people that have debts with me. I want you to watch me and how I forgive people. That's exactly the way I want you to forgive me. When someone steps on my toes and you see my reaction, that's what I want from you. How I deal with it, that's how I want you to deal with me. Oh, it goes with the second greatest command, right? Treat others as you want to be treated, right? So these are these expectations that God has. He does have expectations on forgiveness. Remember, he says, Jesus said at the end of that prayer, if you will not forgive, neither will your Father forgive you. But if you do forgive, your Father will forgive you. There's no fine print on that one. I've looked and looked and looked and done word studies, and it just keeps being that way. So there's that. There's, there's these expectations he has that will serve him, that will live for him. And when you appear on Judgment Day, will you be able to present yourself approved? We're just hoping to get in the door, right? God, just drag me in. Grab one of my feet, drag me into heaven, I'm good. But there's this idea that Paul puts before Timothy to be diligent or to make every effort to present yourself approved to God. Now this verse goes on into a specific item that will bring you into God's approval, all right? And again, God loves you. When I talk about his approval, do not equate that with his love. This is about God also having certain things that he wants to see in our lives, And so, in the second half of the verse, verse 15, second half, it says, A worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. So, rightly dividing the word of truth. This is all about the Bible and the scriptures. As I said last week, when I use Bible or scriptures, I'm using those interchangeably, okay? Synonymously. So, whether in the rest of the sermon I say Bible or scriptures, you know where I'm going. So, what is rightly dividing them? This does not mean cutting them in half and keeping the verses you like and getting rid of the verses you don't like. And yes, there are verses that are very difficult. There are things that God calls for that are very hard. And you want to know what? On our own, we stink at it. That's why he gave us the Holy Spirit. I've told you before, I had a men's Bible study. We were reading through Matthew. We got to the Sermon on the Mount, and a couple of the guys, who were new believers. They go, you kidding? This is really hard. And I said, yeah, but here's the thing. As the Spirit of God works with you, you will see yourself change. And I believe in a year or two, you will look back and go, oh my goodness, I'm actually doing what Jesus was talking about. Why? Because you need the power of the Spirit in order to do it. The Spirit of God has to dwell inside of you. He has to anoint you. There are things, if you've ever read the Scripture, I don't think I can do this. That's the moment you throw up a hand and say, oh, Holy Spirit, I need help. Because I'm not very good at this if you're thinking, oh, the pastor's got it. No, the pastor puts his hand up every once in a while. Oh, okay, I'm reading scripture. God, okay, I need help. I need a lot of help. It's just like when you were in school. You know, kindergarten, I need help. Except for they don't put nap, types in, nap times in like my kindergarten. We had nap time. We actually had a little rug we pulled out. But God actually will meet with you then too. So let's get into word meaning here when we're talking about rightly dividing the word. Right in the dividing comes from the Greek. You're ready for this one. Ortho to mounta For those of you taking notes, O-R-T-H-O-T-O-M-O-U-N-T-A. Got it? Okay, good. We can go on now. So, this word it has the idea... The dividing idea comes from the background of this word which means to cut straightly ortho means to straight or correct how many of you have ever been to an orthodontist I had to go my mouth was a it was really wild They even had to pull up four teeth in the front in order to make everything fit right and what does an orthodontist do they straighten your teeth yes I had headgear head the whole thing that was great I also wrestled during those years. You always know, like to wrestle with braces, especially when a guy puts his arm right across your face. Yeah, you're cutting your lips. So the idea here, though, is like orthodontist or orthopedic surgeon. You go to an orthopedic surgeon because you, your bones need to be straightened through surgery. They need to work with your bones. So ortho is straight. Tamanta is to cut. So, think along the lines of to cut a straight path or to guide on a straight path. That's where this word is going. So, don't necessarily just think about like uh, rightly dividing because it really sounds weird when you read that scripture just on its own. I'm supposed to rightly divide these things because, again, I get in my head this picture of having to separate things. But ultimately, this is going to get to this, to handle it correctly. How do you correctly handle the Word of God? I love that Paul writes about a worker. Again, the verse said that God, you know, work to present yourself approved, a worker who does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth or rightly handling the word of truth. One of my commentaries read that this is a reference to an agricultural worker. And that this agricultural worker is not to be ashamed of their work. How many of you have ever had to hoe a row in a garden. I grew up, my dad had a, we we lived on almost an acre. My dad always had, every year we had a quarter acre garden. We didn't just go out and throw seed. My dad wanted us to have straight rows. And so we'd go out early Saturday morning and he had two metal stakes with twine on them. And you pulled them and you made a straight line and you hammered one at one end, hammered the other, and you followed that line. You followed right down that string so you had a nice straight line. And believe me, when you're young and you're learning how to do it, you might have to redo the row because sometimes, you know, you just stop paying attention to that twine and dad says, do it again. This is where we're going with this. It's, it's making straight rows. And yes, it does take work to do this. So that's why Paul's saying, earnestly desire, earnestly work hard at this to present yourself before the Lord, a worker, a worker in this area of the scriptures. And yes, you're gonna make mistakes because growing up with my dad's garden, he hated weeds. And sometimes I was in charge of watering and you had to just go out, you know, turn on the water and put it at the top of each row. Well, these rows were long. They were like from from me to those posts in the middle of the the sanctuary. And so, you know, it's not like you stand there and you're done in two minutes. And you know what I found out? That if you go inside to watch TV while you're watering a, a row, and you leave the water running and you're pretty sure you know how long it's supposed to be but the show's really good and you forget and there's a little lake down at the end of the row your dad's not really happy about it <laughs> cuz he just had to spend a lot of money on water so yes you make mistakes there's areas where we make mistakes we blow it okay sometimes even in reading scripture i mean i want to encourage you to pick up the word we can we can make effort. Even if we put all of our effort into it, sometimes we just make mistakes. We don't understand necessarily what God is saying. We're not paying attention necessarily to what we're reading. I was saying last week, one of the biggest mistakes you can make is just to get your Bible reading done so you can be done with it for the day. That's a huge mistake. Always go back and read it again. So likewise, just like you know, getting your rake out or your hoe out and working with this row and getting the rocks out, we have to work at handling the Word of God correctly. In other words, we have to do it in a straight manner, because sometimes we can just meander and go all over the place. A guy once asked Abraham Lincoln why he walked so crookedly, and he said, I was he said, "I'm just following my nose." <laughs> I love his stories. So in application, how do you rightly work with the word of God? So again, I'm, let me read the scripture to you again, just really quick. Be diligent or make every effort to present yourself approved to God. A worker does not need to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. How do we do that? How do we rightly work or put our hearts in this manner to the scriptures? Because you know what? Showing up on judgment day and saying, oh, I, I, I'm sorry, I didn't read it all. Actually, I didn't read it. It's not going to be approved. It's not saying you have to be the the most studied scholar on the planet in the Scriptures. The question is, are you feeding your heart? Are you feeding your mind with God's Word? As I said earlier, don't, don't separate the Scriptures out. This is one of the things you don't want to do. Don't read the passages you like and avoid the others. There's some difficult stuff in Scripture. There's some very hard things to read. Read them. Try to understand them. Don't get over-focused on a particular verse. What can happen is we can have our absolute favorite verses, and we'll we'll memorize them, and we'll study them, and we'll just focus on them. It's okay if you're going through a hard time in life, and God gives you a passage. He gives you a scripture to focus on. That's one thing. I'm talking about studying the scriptures right now. But sometimes there's a verse that God will give you, and it will get you through a really difficult time. And it'll come right at the right moment, whether or not somebody speaks that verse to you, they say, man, I was reading the scriptures or I just had this scripture on my heart. I want to share a scripture with you. Maybe it's a verse. I've known people who operate with the Spirit of God. And what God does with them is many times God gives them scriptures for people so that they can hold on to those verses. Uh, You know, how many of you have held on to be still and know I'm God through really tough days when things are upside down and you just have to hold on to him? Verses like that are so important. But again, it's easy to meander. It's easy to just focus on verses that we just really like and skip the rest. It's easy to focus on an obscure verse when you're reading the Scriptures. I, have you, how many of you have ever been in a Bible class and someone's teaching and someone raises their hand and goes, Yeah, but what about this verse? This is verse from left field. And you're going, Wow. I've, I've been through that. My grandpa used to teach a Bible class, and there's a guy named Cy Miller that would do that all the time, going, you know, he's a farmer, he was a Presbyterian elder, but he'd be teaching on Isaiah his favorite book, and Sai would raise his hand and come up with some obscure verse. I think he just did it to give my grandpa a hard time. But my grandpa's response always was, the, the Bible plainly says. The Bible plainly says. And so I want you to apply that to us. What does the Bible plainly teach? What are the overall themes in the scriptures? Set yourself then to study the scriptures and to learn these things. To be able to answer questions like what, does the, what, what, are, what is the heart of the scriptures or what is the heart of Jesus' teaching? You have to go and study it. I want you know, That's one of the ways that you can go and study. What did Jesus teach? Have you ever taken time just to go through the gospels and just look? If you've got a red letter Bible, just read the red letter stuff. Just read everything he said and everything he taught. He was the most amazing being on the planet because he was fully God and fully human. That's why, we, again, we celebrate Christmas. He's going to die on the cross to pay for all of our sin, all of it. He's going to rise again from the dead. God's going to raise him from the dead so that we can have life. Have you studied these things? This is the heart of the gospel, the gospel of the kingdom. What did Jesus teach about the kingdom? I want to encourage you, if you've never taken the time to just go into the New Testament, read Jesus' words, and read what the kingdom is all about, because that's what the good news is. You'll hear people say, oh, we've got to preach the good news. Jesus called it the good news of the kingdom. Why is the kingdom good news? Why is it good news that God is a king? What is it that this king came to do? Why would the king die for us? Why not destroy the planet? You wanna read about love? That's like I I tell people, the Bible, you know what it is? It's just a big love letter, actually. From beginning to end, it's God saying, I love you intensely. Yes, it has rules in it. There's things that God wants us to do and not to do. Got it. Go back some time and study, how do you keep the greatest commandment? How do you love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength? How do you do that? These are things that you need to go back and rightly handle the word, or dig into the word and find out what this means. Why does God expect that from us? Why is it that we follow a living God and the number one thing He wants us to do is to love Him? That is the greatest commandment. It appears in the Old Testament. Jesus quotes it in the New Testament. The greatest commandment is to love God with all of who you are. Why? And by the way, when you're studying the Scriptures, ask questions. Why? Why God? But you have to also allow Him to answer you. Why are you the kind of God that the number one thing you want from me is you want me to love you? And how do I do that? How do I love you with all of my heart? How do I love you with all of my mind? How do I love you with all of my soul and all of my strength? How do I do this, God? You know, at the beginning of it is just to let him know you love him. I, I was talking with someone recently. Yes, I, we were talking about how, yeah, I come into the service every once in a while and say, hey, on Sunday morning. When you enter with the brothers and the sisters, sometime during the service, tell God you love him. That's the very beginning of keeping that commandment. And then you can say, all right, God, how do I do this? This is part of rightly dividing or rightly handling the word of God and saying, God, what do you want? How do you want me to do this? How do I love you? If this is the number one thing you want from me, how? How do I fall in love with God? I'll give you a very simple answer to that question. Ask the Holy Spirit. Because in the high priestly prayer, Jesus said, Father, the love that you have in me, put it in them. We're supposed to love Jesus the way the Father loves him. You want to know it? You can't do it on your own. You need the Holy Spirit to do this inside of you. And so, Lord God, Would you right now anoint my brothers and my sisters by the power of your spirit to fall in love with you, Lord Jesus Christ? Literally, I mean, just out of nowhere, but hopefully sometime this week they'll be sitting there and just go, oh my goodness, I actually do love Jesus. I can feel love for him inside my heart. Lord God, will you do this? Will you anoint my brothers and sisters? Will you baptize them in the spirit for loving you Will you give them a new anointing? Will you put an anointing in this church just to fall in love with you? And not only that, and then to fall in love with everybody else, Lord God. To love others, the second great commandment, love others as, as we want them to do to with us. To treat others the way we want them to treat us. Lord God, will you put this inside of our hearts? And Lord God, my desire, my desire before you, Lord God, is this. That when, in the future, when people think of KPC, Kempsville Presbyterian Church, the people go, man, That is one loving group of people. I got around them, and Father, I felt your love coming through them for me, no matter who it is that we run into. Lord God, will you cause your love to infect our hearts? Just a drop, Lord God. Would you put just a drop inside of us? This is about getting into the Word of God. This is about seeking your face, Lord God. Will you do this in Jesus' name? Amen. And brothers and sisters, when I talk about rightly dividing or going in and rightly handling or spending time and studying these topics, it's like I said last week. You don't have to do an hour or two every day. Give God a minute. Give him five minutes. Get a Bible. By the way, hold on to your paper Bibles, okay? Because you don't know if you're going to trust the AI Bibles in the future. It all may, If you've been reading the news, you know AI is getting really funky out there. Don't rely just on your Bible on your phone, okay? Because you may read a verse like John 3.16 and go, that's not John 3.16. Hold on to your paper Bibles. Don't get rid of them. If you have a stack of them, hold on, you might have to pass those out one day because people are be going, I don't know, I can't find a real Bible. And you're going, to go, I got one. Here, have this one. Hold on to those Bibles. Just open it up. And by the way, if you've never been in the Bible before, one, you can just get a Bible and say, God, where do you want me to go? I've had people sit there and go, "I don't know. I don't know what." <laughs> I and I were praying with someone one time, and they said, "I don't know where to go because it's just this funky word habakkuk." Uh, and we're like, "Oh, wait! How did you get that?" And they're like, "I'm seeing this word inside my mind." And we're like, "That's habakkuk." And they're like, "Okay, good." So we helped him get to the Bible. If you have never been in a Bible before, come and talk to me. Use the table of contents at the beginning. There's no awards that go out because you know the Bible better than everybody else. Okay question is how has it filled your heart this is between you and god all right seek the lord ask the holy spirit what he wants to teach you in the bible today tomorrow be diligent about it brothers and sisters this takes work but it doesn't have to take all day just again i'm asking five minutes a day get a bible if you've never been in one before My advice is get to the book of Mark. It's a little past halfway through. Go to the New Testament. Start reading the book of Mark. It's a great book. You can go to any book you want. I'm good with that. I'm just saying my preference when I disciple people is let's start with Mark. Go to Mark chapter one read the first verses and see where the Lord takes you. You will go on one of the most amazing walks with God you've ever been on. you'll just say, Holy Spirit, explain this to me. Take me through this. Show it to me. Lord God, Let's pray, Lord God, would you bless my brothers and sisters? Will you make us diligent as we get into the word and search it, seek your face? You are amazing, Lord God. And you gave us the scriptures. It's the only book on the planet that is God-breathed. Everything else can be good, but this is the only one that is God-breathed. It comes from you. It gives us your heart. And then, Lord God, if there's anyone sitting here right now and they're infected in their heart with the thought, I should probably be loving God. Will you increase that, Lord God? Will you, by the power of your spirit, increase that and give them an absolute desire to love you? And Lord, when they say, I don't know how to do this, you explain it, Lord God. You just put it inside of them so that the idea of coming to worship you and to seek your face and to sing to you and tell you, tell you that we love you just fills our hearts. And God, there may be just a whole bunch of stuff that's blocking that. We don't feel like we're worthy to love you. I've done too many wrong things. Get past that. God just says, love him. All of us have sinned. All of us have have broken the word of God. None of us are worthy to actually love him. So just put that behind you. Say, God, I'm sorry about everything I've ever done. I just want to come to you with love. And walk with him. May God bless you all. May he encourage you. And if you start digging that row. You set the line, you start digging the row into the scriptures, and it seems like a long road. Just wait to see where God takes you. Just keep working at it. Get that row nice and straight in the name of Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.